Hello and welcome to Bookseller by Day, a show about books, bookselling, and book industry things. Back by popular demand, it's me. In this episode, I'm here to talk about my favorite books of 2021. Now, last year, I read 63 books, which is not as many as I would have hoped. I had set a goal of 72, and, you know, sometimes you just don't hit that reading goal. It's, it was, it was a tough year, y'all. I'm sure you can all relate. Um, finding the time or energy to read at the end of the day just was not going to happen for me last year very often. I ended up reading a lot of audiobooks. That was my savior. Big shout out to Libro FM for providing free audiobooks for booksellers. If you are interested in audiobooks at all and you are not going to get them from the library, highly recommend Libro FM. For me, audiobooks were a great way to digest the stories without having to sit down and stare at the page because I just would be reading the same paragraph over and over again and I'm like, man, now I'm thinking about my own mortality. It's like, man, I, I picked up this book to escape. So audiobooks were a great way to kind of push past that. And also they're just a lot of fun in general. So ultimately, even though I did not read as many books as I would have liked 63 books? It's a lot of books. However, I do want to say, I don't think that you should measure your worth in the number of books you read per year. Some people read two books a year. Some people read 100 books a year. How do people read 100 books a year? If you do that, please DM me on Twitter at BooksellerByDay, because I would love to just chat. Like, what do you do? I want to know. Fascinating to me. So if you, at the end of the year, were stressing out because you weren't going to hit your reading goal... I want you to know that's okay. I'm right there with you. With that being said, let's take a tour through some of my favorite books that I read last year. Normally at the end of every year, I put the top 10 in order, which can sometimes be a pretty painstaking process if I brought read a lot of good things that year. But this year, I just was like, you know, why even bother? I, I got too many books that I read that I really enjoyed. So we're not even going to sort them. I'm just going to tell you in basically chronological order, the stuff that I read that I really liked. And I have a very scientific method for doing this. It's called going on my Goodreads page and seeing the stuff that I rated highly. And if I can talk about it with no notes, then I really liked it. And I've got some honorable mentions at the end as well. Normally with these episodes, I like to do a little bit of loosely scripted improv. I would say generally I'm not an outline kind of person. Really just love to go straight into it and figure it out as I go. For the episodes, I've been trying to give them a little bit more of a shape. For this one, though, we're just going. I wrote down the names of all these books, and I'm actually just going to tell you the first thing that comes to mind when I read this book title out loud to you. So, let's get started. The first book... Oh, hello, Alex. Just in case anyone's curious, my cat just climbed onto the keyboard. I wonder what his favorite book is. The first book that I read in 2021 that I really loved is The House in the Cerulean Sea by T.J. Klune. And honestly, it almost feels like cheating to put this in here because everyone that I know who's read this book has absolutely adored it. And I think that that's just the T.J. Klune special. He's got a really unique talent for writing books that are bittersweet and ultimately uplifting. The House in the Cerulean Sea, when you're reading it, it feels like you are being hugged by the book. And that's something that I think everyone really needs every once in a while. It's nice to know that there are books out there 
that are sad and focus on difficult subjects that are ultimately hopeful. And I think TJ Clunas does a fantastic job at that. I also read his other adult title, Under the Whispering Door, this year. And that one's a little bit sadder, I think, than The House in the Cerulean Sea. Because that one really just feels wholesome with a side of sadness. Whereas Under the Whispering Door has this constant undercurrent of contemplating your own mortality and facing the parts about yourself that you might not like seeing. And that's one of the things I really liked about it is that the characters in Under the Whispering Door all have their flaws and they're there to get better together. And it's a lot of delivering hard truths to one another. And so that can be really intense. But I think ultimately the way that TJ writes is very sensitive of stuff like that. So even though I found the book to be ultimately uplifting, ultimately hopeful, I was crying multiple times. Same thing with The House in the Cerulean Sea. He just makes you fall in love with these characters because you really, I mean, my God, like the man is an absolute wizard. I really don't know what else to say other than that. I can't wait to see what he does next. Next on the list is an easy spot of my all-time favorites. It's People We Meet on Vacation by Emily Henry. I genuinely believe that Emily Henry is a once-in-a-generation writer, and you don't hear that thrown around with romance novels too often. But I will tell you what, when I read Beach Read last year, it blew me away. I was like, wow. This was granted at the beginning of my discovery of enjoying romance novels. So I was like, wow, you know, this is what a romance novel should be. And I was so nervous for reading her subsequent book because I just thought there's no way that she's going to be able to live up to my high expectations because I loved the first book so much. And then I read People We Meet on Vacation and she just blew me out of the water. I mean, Emily Henry is truly, this is what a love story should be. The way that she catalogs, you know, decades of yearning between these two friends and all of the little things that have passed between them and how that ultimately impacts their friendship and more than friendship. It's just absolutely delightful. I loved watching the two of them realize their feelings for one another and figure out a way to make it work. It was just an absolute delight. Highly recommend Emily Henry. She's a fantastic writer. I can't wait for her next book, Book Lovers, which is out in May. Shifting gears a little bit, we have The Echo Wife by Sarah Gailey. I was sort of wishy-washy on the other book I read by Sarah Gailey, so I was a little nervous coming into this one, but I ended up enjoying it a lot. It's very trippy, and you think, okay, I know where this is going, and you kind of do. You're right. Like, if you, you can predict it pretty accurately, but things get a little weird. Basically, what Sarah does in this book is turn the domestic thriller on its head. I thought this one was super interesting. It just buckle up because you're going to be taken on a pretty wild ride. And as a side note, if you end up liking this, I think you should read Comfort Me with Apples by Catherine M. Valente. She's an author who gets a big thumbs up from me later in the episode. The two books just feel like you've got no clue what's going on, kind of. But at the same time, you're, you're on the same page. Both have elements of like this kind of subtle body horror that I thought was really interesting. And I'm not usually into that sort of thing because I'm the kind of person who just thinks about like what would happen if you could tear away your muscles as string cheese. Um, Sorry if that is gross. I know it is. But anyway, I think 
those two books really interesting and they have ethical quandaries at the heart of them and I find that to be really interesting. The next book that I really enjoyed, and I've loved recommending this to people because I think this book just strikes the perfect balance, is Finley Donovan is Killing It by El Cosimano. This is the story of a mystery writer who is overheard discussing the plot of her next book and this woman thinks that she is a killer for hire. So Finley gets roped in to basically working against the mafia trying to kill off this woman's husband. It's just absolutely hysterical. I mean, seriously, you would never think that you could laugh so hard in a book about murder and the mafia, but El Cosimano makes it happen. I am so excited for the next book in this series. And the reason I think I liked this one so much is because it's got... I don't, satire is not the quite quite the right word, but it's, it doesn't take itself so seriously. Like the murder and the mayhem is a big part of the plot, but there's also Finley Donovan trying to do her best as a single mother who has to see her husband and his perfect new wife and just all of this stuff. I thought it was a really compelling novel. Next on my list for young adults is Grown by Tiffany D. Jackson. This is one that I listened to on audio the narrator is one of my favorite audiobook professionals, Jonice Abbott-Pratt. She just did a fantastic job with this one. Grown is a disturbing book, and it will make you incredibly uncomfortable because it touches on some really difficult subjects. But by the end of it, I was blown away. I mean, Tiffany D. Jackson has got to be some sort of wizard because she really made me feel all sorts of things that I never thought I could feel reading a book about a teenager. This is one that I really want everyone to read. If you have any passing interest in young adult fiction at all, I think that this is a great book for you to read. Next on the list, a favorite of mine, this is probably the number one book that I've gone to bat for in 2021, is A Psalm for the Wild Built by Becky Chambers. If you have talked to me about books at all in the past year, you will have heard me sing the praises of this novella. I just think Becky Chambers is fantastic in general. She could write the phone book and I would read it. The thing about this one is it's got like a hope punk vibe to it. And I think that's so essential right now because everything is suffering, but you have to remember there's some other good stuff going on too. And that's what this book is all about. It's for people who are lost, people who are confused. They don't know what's the next step in their lives. It is like a balm for a weary soul, and I really, really loved that. It's got the same energy as T.J. Klune. There's a very hopeful feeling to it, even though it doesn't shy away from difficult realities of just existing in, in modern life. I had to read a couple of these passages over and over and over again just to get them through my head because I thought they were so poignant, and I was just... I'll be honest, I was ugly crying. How can you ugly cry at a book that's less than 150 pages? I don't know, but Becky Chambers made it happen. Anyway, you have to check this book out because it'll really make you think. I loved it a lot. Next on the list is Hang the Moon by Alexandria Bellafleur. One of the things that I like about her books is the quote on the front that says she writes like she's trapping fairy lights in a jar. And I think that's a perfect description. Hang the Moon is her second novel. The first one is written in the stars, which I also highly recommend. This one is really sweet because it is about the power of love itself. The two love interests go on these admittedly like a little bit cheesy dates. He's doing all these romantic gestures to try to make the love interest believe in love again. And I think that's really sweet. And it could have been 
so cheesy, so played out, and yet I was hanging on every word. I mean, this book is fantastic. Alexandria Bellafleur has such a way of making things that are familiar feel new again. I think that's the greatest strength in her writing. And it also just feels a little magic. Shifting gears a little bit, we have The Album of Dr. Moreau by Daryl Gregory, which is a retelling of The Island of Dr. Moreau, except it's like genetically engineered boy band. I haven't read the original, so I was going into this not really having that context, but I still enjoyed it a lot. And, you know, I'll be honest, I wasn't sure that I would, but the book is just so funny. I mean, oh my goodness, I was cracking up reading this this book. And I like even the the mystery element aside, just the way that Daryl shifts perspective from each of the members of the boy band back and forth. Like it's just a complete jump. And I loved it because they all have such a distinct voice in the way that he's able to capture that I think is really powerful. So if you are a sci-fi or horror fan, you should definitely pick this one up. It's a quick read. You're going to really enjoy it. Speaking of quick reads, we also have A Spindle Splintered by Alex E. Harrow. I think I've discussed this one in a past episode, the one that I did about novellas. I really enjoyed this one. I believe I also mentioned I was a little back and forth on Alex E. Harrow's writing because I think her stories are really interesting, but the prose was a little flowery for my taste. Now, she struck the perfect balance in A Spindle Splintered. Even though she did have those moments of flowery prose and des- describing the world around her in this elevated way, the main character in this book is extremely sarcastic and kind of pokes fun at herself, and it, it, she just feels very self-aware, and I liked that a lot about this book. I think that that's just the right way to bring back a writing style that can get a little... Lofty is not the right word, but you know what I mean. Like It's, just, it, it's not as straightforward as I... It, typically like, but I think she struck the perfect balance with this one. I'm eagerly awaiting A Mirror Mended, which is the next book in the series, because I think Alex does a really good job of reimagining tales and making them feel special. Next up is Rosaline Palmer Takes the Cake by Alexis Hall. Baking romances, so hot right now. This is the first one that I read, though. Um, I really enjoyed it because you can't just say, oh, it's like the Great British Baking Show and have me not read it and enjoy it. I really liked this one. It's got like a little bit of a romance to it, but it's really focusing on Rosaline trying to figure out what she wants out of life, how to forge her own path and feel proud about doing the things that she enjoys. And I found that to be really uplifting. Alexis Hall is the author of Boyfriend Material, as well as the forthcoming Husband Material, which, oh my god, can I just read that book already? Thank you. Really, the dialogue in these books knocks me out of the park. These quips are fantastic. Another book that has some fantastic quips in it is Dial A for Aunties by Jesse Q. Sutanto. This one, oh my god. (laughs) I was dying at this book. This one has the same energy as Finley Donovan is killing it. premise is... A girl goes on a blind date and ends up killing the guy that she goes out with through a series of unfortunate events and then has to hide his death for like two days and she's got the body in the cooler and all of her aunties are like, oh my God, like they're in the middle. (laughs) They own this wedding business and they're like trying to throw this huge wedding for this multimillionaire family and hide this dead body because they can't find a way to dispose of it. 
And the main character, Starcrossed Lover X, is like the owner of the hotel. Oh, the whole thing is just a giant mess, but it is hilarious. I was in stitches reading this book. You've got to read it, I'll tell you that. Um, next up is While We Were Dating by Jasmine Guillory. I've said it before, I'll say it again. No one's writing romance like Jasmine Guillory. She has got an incredible imagination. I love how real her books feel. Like she doesn't shy away from difficult subjects. And one of the things that I really liked about While We Were Dating is the way that it authentically portrays mental health issues. Speaking of books that deal with mental health issues in a upfront and honest way, we also have The Charm Offensive by Alison Cochran. This is a book that I ended up really, really loving. I had not been able to even look at a book for about six weeks until I picked this one up, and it just pulled me in immediately. This one has a little bit of fairy tale magic. It's got a little bit of pining. I thought the whole thing worked out really well. It's a big-hearted, delightful read. Even if you aren't interested in reality TV, I found this book to be very compelling. Next on the list is Paybacks a Witch by Lana Harper. This one was a ton of fun. I really wanted to just walk into the world of Thistlegrove and never leave. This book basically has a turf-free Triwizard Tournament going on, and I really enjoyed the fun competition aspect as well as the love story on the side, as well as just watching the main character realize that she enjoys her hometown more than she thought she did. I thought that was a lot of fun. Now, back to one of the heavy hitters. We have The Love Hypothesis by Allie Hazelwood. Anyone who's talked to me in the last year has probably heard me rave about this book, and it's because it's absolutely fantastic. I am not a big fan of book talk, because I think all they do is promote the same three books over and over again, and it's all just S.J. Moss, Colleen Hoover, and The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, with a little dash of Madeline Miller on the side. But they are actually completely right about the love hypothesis. Also, I should just say, for legal reasons, Madeline Miller is incredible. So, with that in mind, the love hypothesis is worth every single ounce of hype that you have heard about it. This book blew me away. Allie Hazelwood writes perfect dialogue, and the perfect amount of tension is in her books. And here's how you know she's legit, is because she wrote fanfiction first. People will turn their nose up at fanfiction. And I'm not really a big fanfic reader, but you know fanfic is just making everyone's dreams come true. And I think when you go into a novel with that thought at the front of your head, you're going to write something fantastic. And that really shows. Also, I'm not a Star Wars fan at all, but because I liked this book so much, I went out and watched two of the Raylo movies. First of all, I got to say, The Love Hypothesis, much better Raylo content than actual Raylo content. However... You really can't go wrong with this one. Cannot wait for Love on the Brain, which is her next full-length novel coming out this year, as well as her three Steminist novellas, which are audio and ebook exclusives. Next on the list, we have The Last Graduate by Naomi Novik. You all know that I'm a big Naomi Novik fan. I think that she writes fantastic books. When I read A Deadly Education last year, I absolutely loved it, but it wasn't a perfect book. There are some things that I would have liked to see done differently. And I think in The Last Graduate, she kind of takes those issues and hammers them out. This book is much better than the last one. And I still really liked the last one, mind you. But this one takes kind of a more holistic look at the world inside the Scholomance. And I really, really liked that. Also, if you think that the first book ended on a cliffhanger, 
you are not ready for the end of this book because, oh my God, I'm just saying, Naomi, when I finished that book, I almost threw it across the room because, oh my God. So anyway, um, this is just to say, if you are listening to this podcast for whatever reason, and you would like to help someone in need, you could just send me the third book immediately. Thank you. Okay, so next, speaking of witches and magic or whatever, we have The X-Hex by Aaron Sterling. Okay, guys, I was not ready for this one. We had some good witchy romance stuff going on this year, and I really ended up liking The X-Hex. This book was a lot of fun. If you're looking for some good witchy romance, I would actually recommend reading The X-Hex first. It's a little bit more romance-focused than Payback's a Witch, although they're both really good. Then we have The Past is Red by Catherine M. Valenti. This is one that I did on audio, and oh my god, I just thought it was fantastic. There's so much happening in this book, and most of it was weird, and I loved it. Just the way that Catherine's imagination is able to create weird situations like this one, and, you know, it's like she takes the way that we are destroying our planet and makes it a little bit funny, but still sad, and kind of forces you to reckon with, you know, what would you do if you had a chance to fix things, but you realize that that chance was all a lie. Big shout out to my friend Brian for recommending that one to me because it was an absolute delight. Now, speaking of absolute delights, we also have A Marvelous Light by Freya Marsk. It's magic, it's Victorian, it's gay. I really don't think I need to say anything else. Oh, also one of them is a himbo. Okay, so now I don't really need to say anything else. But I enjoy this book very, very much. I'm excited for the next book, which has been described as Lesbian Knives Out on a Boat. So if that doesn't make you want to read this series, I really don't know what will. Uh, but the thing that was kind of nice about A Marvelous Light, other than the fact that it's got some good like buzzwords that apply to it, is the way that it goes from serious to tender with little bits of humor thrown in. And I just think that Freya is able to take a subject that could just be straight up serious and add a little bit more of a human element to it. And that's something that I think sets A Marvelous Light apart. Finally, we've come to the honorable mention section, which I'll just go through these really quickly. We have The Thursday Murder Club by Richard Oseman. If you like British humor, read this book. Next, The Secret Lives of Church Ladies by Disha Filia. I don't read a lot of short stories, but I thought that every single one in this collection was pretty compelling. Definitely recommend. Also, it's a quick read. Then we have Cultish by Amanda Montel. This one takes a look at cult groups from everything from Scientology to Soul Cycle. Really easy to digest. It's a lot of fun, good pop culture references. Even if you're not a big nonfiction reader, I think you'll enjoy this one. Infinite Country by Patricia Engel. I'm really not a fan of intergenerational stories, so I wasn't sure if I would like this one, but Infinite Country knocked my freaking socks off. If you're looking for a quick read that will have a strong impact on you, definitely recommend this title. Next is A Thousand Ships by Natalie Haynes. I thought this one was really interesting, if a bit slow. It's got a meditative feel to it, so if you're looking for something action-packed, this is not for you, but I liked it nonetheless. Finally, we have Don't Call It a Cult by Sarah Berman. I have a low-key interest in multi-level marketing companies and also, I guess, cultish groups, which you can see from Cultish by Amanda Montel. 
This one goes into Nexium, and it's absolutely fascinating. I listened to this one on audiobook. This one's written by a journalist. I think she did a great job of going into all the weird and icky stuff that they do in that organization. Well, that just about does it. I can't really think of anything else to say other than thank you for being here. If you've listened to the whole episode, I appreciate your support, and I'm glad you're here. If you are looking for a list of the books that I mentioned in this episode, I'm going to put them in the description box. Feel free to order them from your favorite independent bookstore or check them out from the library. If you want to say hi, you can find me on Twitter at BooksellerByDay or email me BooksellerByDay at gmail.com. Thank you to Rachel Humbert for designing my fantastic logo. And thank you all for listening.